0: Welcome to the Potter's House Community Church's podcast. Join us weekly as we feature our Sunday sermons. The Potter's House Community Church exists to help people be shaped by God to be followers of Jesus Christ. We hope today's message encourages you as we dive into God's Word, so grab your favorite drink and let's listen to today's sermon. So, show me my God. so it is that time of year. And our sermon for today is on a drunk guy, so um, so that's where we are in scripture. Uh, we're in Genesis chapter nine, and uh, and we're with Noah right after he um, he's gotten off the boat. Um, he's had, had this amazing worship experience, like. You know, think about all of the things that we can do today in like worship settings with like lighting and like smoke shows and like smoke machines, all this kind of stuff, right? Um, I mean, hey, our Christmas Eve, Eve service, I hear we're going to have a snow machine. So I don't know, um, but, uh, but yeah, so crazy stuff we can do now, right? But imagine you're having a worship service and all of a sudden God starts the light show, And he starts painting rainbows across the sky. Like, that'd be pretty amazing, right? And so Noah goes from that moment, and then he gets drunk. Not immediately, but let's read the story and see what it says. Genesis 9, starting in verse 18. The sons of Noah who went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. And these three were the sons of Noah, and from these the people of the whole, world, whole earth were dispersed. Noah began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. And he drank of the wine, and became drunk, and lay uncovered in his tent. So that's what happened. All right? So Noah, he... Uh, he Starts farming the land. So he's got a new career path, right? So he was a ship builder. Then he was the manager of a floating zoo. Um, and then now he's starting on down a new path and he's like, I'm going into farming. Um, so we have stuff to eat. Um, by the way, I'm going to start making my own wine at the same time. And we see Noah here and he gets passed out, drunk, naked. Um, and so this is a good point, a good point in scripture for us to bring up the fact that just because something is described in the Bible doesn't mean that it is prescribed, okay? So especially as we go through the rest of Genesis, just because it tells us something happened doesn't mean we need to copy this, all right? Um, doesn't mean necessarily this is a thing to be emulated, all right? Um, so, uh, so what does the Bible say um, about drinking? What does it say about alcohol? Well, it actually says a lot of different things um, about it. Uh, in Psalms, in Psalm 104, uh, the psalmist is praising God for all the things that he's made. Um, and he says this, he says um, that, it, that it's a gift from God for the heart of man. Um, in Proverbs 20, verse 1, um, it says, on the other hand, that wine is a mocker and hard drink is a brawler. Um, and so you kind of can see both sides of the coin there in the Old Testament in those two two passages. Um, the big go-to when we talk about this is what does God think about this? Everybody knows this one, right? What is it? Jesus turned the water into the wine, right? Um, and some will want to say, well, yeah, but it, it was... It was non-alcoholic wine. Um, And I'm like, I don't know how you get that, uh, because they take it to the head of the feast, um, the guy that's in charge, and he says what? He says, it's the best wine they've had. Usually people serve the bad stuff at the end. Why? Because people are already intoxicated and it doesn't matter, right? Um, And so he's saying, you're giving me the best up here at the very end. Um, and so not only did Jesus make wine, he made really good wine, apparently. Um, so then there's, there's that passage. But then again, when you come to where Scripture talks about, like, qualifications for an elder, for a deacon, um, in 1 Timothy, what does it tell us? That not given to much wine or not given to drunkenness. Uh, so not a drunkard um, is how it says it in the ESV. Um, and so we, we see that again. So... So Jesus is making wine, but then he's telling us, hey, you're not supposed to be a drunkard. Um, But then later on in the same book to Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, he says, hey, don't drink only water. Drink some wine, too, for your stomach. So that's obviously fermented because it's alcohol for medicinal purposes. He's telling him, hey, take, take some of this. Drink some of this for your health to make you more healthy, all right? So that's there in the same book. So we see this kind of balance through scripture when it comes to this topic of, hey, don't get drunk. Don't be Noah, okay? Like nothing, it's not a good situation Noah finds himself in, right? Um, and that's the consistent message throughout scripture is, hey, don't take this stuff and use it to where it controls you. Um, And Paul says it, says it this way in Ephesians five. He says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. And so Paul is drawing this comparison. He's like, hey, you can be controlled by these substances or you can be controlled by the spirit of God. And so what do you want? What do you want to be known for? What do you want to guide and control your life? Alcohol that, that makes you passed out drunk like Noah, that can get you to that point? Or do you want to be controlled by the Spirit of God to lead you and guide you into good things? And some of you might always saying, Wayne, seriously, we came for Christmas, all right? Like, what, what is, this time of year, this is a very, very applicable topic because it's around the holidays that are supposed to be family time where a lot of people who struggle with broken families and also struggle with this issue, this issue becomes even more prevalent. And so if you think this doesn't apply to right now, it definitely applies to right now, probably as much as any time of the year. The number one time for alcohol associated deaths, do you know when it is out of the year? See, as a trick question, I had you all thinking about Christmas. It's New Year's. New Year's coming up very soon. And so when we think about this and we think about this topic, I want us to bring a biblical view to it, right? And so the Bible is, is clear. It's saying, hey, God made alcohol. It has its purposes. It has its uses. There's ways that it can be used appropriately and safely, but there's also ways that it can be greatly abused and very bad things come from it. All right? And we can take that and we can take what this, that was the main substance of Scripture today that would be used in this way. But we can take this same principle, we can take this same concept, and we can apply it to so many other things prescription drugs have their place. They have their value. They also can be greatly abused and really used to control us instead of being controlled by the spirit. Other drugs, other, other things of that nature. This is the kind of thing that we should think about when it comes to these things. Are we being controlled by the spirit or are we being controlled by a substance? Which is it? And so as Christians, we want to be under the control of the Holy Spirit, not alcohol and other substances. So let's go on with Noah and see what happens. So we've got him. He's passed out, drunk, naked, laying on the floor. Sounds like a song. Um, And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. And then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on their shoulders and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. And after the flood, Noah lived 350 years, and all the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. So we see here that Noah wakes up, and he finds out that his youngest son has kind of gone out just like, oh, Look at dad, he's passed out drunk in there, right? And then his other sons like respect him and cover him up. And so Noah, in turn, it seems kind of harsh. Honestly, like, it seems like it's a pretty harsh judgment on, on Ham and cursing his son Canaan. Uh, so he's actually, the main curse is pronounced on, his, on Noah's grandson. Um, and it really makes you, as you read this, kind of wonder, like, if this was just kind of the straw that broke the camel's back for Noah um, when it came to him. Like, I, I wonder if, if on the ark, okay, if Ham was that kid that just kept saying, are we there yet? right? And, uh, and when are we going to get there, right? Like, like did, did he just drive everybody crazy on the ark? And so Noah was just so tired of this guy that when this happened, he's like, that's enough. I don't know. I don't know. Totally, totally conjecture on that point. No scripture behind that whatsoever. Um, but but yes, yeah, so we see here that Noah pronounces this judgment on him and that he, he blesses um, instead Shem, um, one of his other sons, and kind of pronounces him as being the most important or, or highest in this situation. Now, we're going to jump into one of the very, our, all of our favorites. Okay, we've got a genealogy coming up here. Um, so we're going to go ahead and jump into Genesis 10 and cover it today as, as well, because it's, it's hashing out knowing his sons and what happened after the ark. So we're kind of covering all this together. Says so this: is, these are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Sons were born to them after the flood. The sons of Japheth, Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javan, Tubal, Mes- Meshach, and Tyrus. The sons of Gomer, Ashkenaz, Raphath, and Togarmah. The sons of Javan, Elisha, Tarshish, Kittim, and Dodim. From these, the coastland peoples spread in their lands, each with his own language, by their clans and their nations. The sons of Ham, Cush, Egypt, Put, and Canaan. The sons of Cush, Seba, Havilah, Sabat, Ramah, and The sons of Ramah, Sheba, and Dedan. Cush fathered Nimrod. He was the first on earth to be a mighty man. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. The beginning of his kingdom was Babel, Erech, Akkad, and Kaunah in the land of Shinar. From, from that land, he went into Assyria and built Nineveh, Rehoboth, Calah, uh, and Rezin between Nineveh and Calah. That is the great city. Egypt fathered Ludum, Anim, Lehebin, Naphtum, Pathryzim, Caslum, from whom the, pal- the, ph- the Philistines came, and Caftrim. Canaan fathered Sidon, his firstborn, and Heth, and the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Gigarsites, the Hivites, the Arkites, the Sinites, the Averites, the Zemanites, and the Hamathites... Afterwards, the clans of the Canaanites dispersed, and the territory of the Canaanites extended from Sidon to the direction of Gerar, as far as Gaza, and in the direction of Sodom, Gomorrah, Adama, and Zeboim, as far as Lasha. These are the sons of Ham by their clans, their languages, and their lands, and their nations. To Sham, also the father of all the children of Eber, the elder brother of Japheth, children were born, the sons of Sham, Elam. Asher, Arpachshad, Lud, and Aram, the sons of Aram, Uz, Hol, Gether, and Mash, Archbashad, fathered Shelah, and Shelah fathered Eber. To Eber were born two sons. The name of the one was Peleg, for in his days the earth was divided, and his brother's name was Jachtim. Jachtim fathered Almodad, Shelapheth, Hazemetha, Jera, Hadarim, Uzal, Dikla. Aren't you guys guys glad I have this job? (laughs) Obel, Emiel, Sheba, Ophir, Havilah, and Jobab. All these were the sons of Joctum. The territory in which they lived extended from Mesha in the direction of Sefer to the hill country of the east. These are the sons of Shem by their clans, their languages, their lands, and their nations. These are the clans of the sons of Noah according to their gene- genealogies and their nations, and from these nations spread abroad on the earth after the flood. Yay, yeah, we got through that. So what do we get out of this? First of all, Anyone who is expecting a son, may I recommend a name out of this list to you? There's a lot of good ones, but I think we need to bring this one back. Nimrod. He was the first on earth to be a mighty man. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. All right. So, any, anybody expecting a son? I, I endorse Nimrod for a name. Um... But, no, in all seriousness, what do we see from this? Here's what we see from this. That coming out of the ark, three sons, Sham, Ham, and Japheth, repopulated the earth. All nations of the earth go back to three sons. These three sons multiplied. And, yeah, there's a bunch of names in here that are so hard for us to say because they're not anywhere else in the Bible, and we don't know them today, right? Like, it's not something but these were people. These were born and they spread out. So the question, how did people get everywhere? Right here, Genesis 10. After the flood, the the boys did their job. They're making babies. The babies are making babies. The babies' babies are making babies. They're spreading out and nations form and spread out through through the earth. Now, not to confuse you, part of this and the timeline covers what we'll get to next week um, in the Tower of Babel. So like in here, it already talked about they spread out with their languages. That's saying that, hey, the, when you come to a genealogy, it's not just sequential in the Bible, okay? So it doesn't like all of Genesis 9 happened, then all of Genesis 10, then all of Genesis 11, okay? So Genesis 10 kind of spreads over a long period of time following after it, okay? So if that confuses you, just know that's what's going on here. But the point is, and what I want us to get out of this is that out of these three sons came all the nations of the earth. Um, and so, uh, it is Christmas. So maybe we should think about another son. There's another son who's born later on. And he connects, if you look at the, in the book of Luke, and the Christmas story, um, just after Luke is, is, done giving us the Christmas story, um, he gives us his, another genealogy, and don't worry, I'm not reading the whole one to you, um, but in Luke 2, uh, actually Luke 3, sorry, um, Skipping around a little bit. So let me find where I am in my notes. Okay, Luke 3, 36. Um, So he's going through the genealogy of Jesus. And he says this. um, He's the son of Canaan, the son of Arpexad, the son of Sham, the son of Noah. The son of Sham. So which son did Noah curse and which one did he bless? He cursed Ham, and he blessed Shem. And out of that blessing, out of that blessed line, ultimately comes the Son of God. Jesus comes into the world through that line of Shem. And so we see that, yes, through three sons came all the nations of the earth. But what we can see from Scripture is that with one son, he came to save all the nations of the earth. That Jesus came so that all these nations, all these peoples that have spread out everywhere could have hope. So that they could be made right with God. So that they could be forgiven. He came so that he died on a cross paying the punishment for our sin. So that he could rise again and defeat sin and death. And he did all of that. All of that was the whole plan all along. And that's all symbolized and all wrapped up in what we celebrate here at Christmas time. And I'll give you one more uh, Christmas passage. Um, it's a little bit earlier here in Luke. In Luke 2, um, you have where they, they bring Jesus after he's born. They bring him to the temple. Um, and he, he meets this, this guy there. And so let's, let's look at this. So in Luke 2... Um, I'm going to start 27. He came in the spirit into the temple, and his parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. He took him of his arms and blessed God. This is Simeon. Simeon's the one doing this. He took him in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people's. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people, Israel. So here you have this old man, this old man who's been waiting in the temple his whole life. And he finally sees the promised one. He sees the baby Jesus. He sees the Messiah. And he says, I want to hold him. Can you imagine that moment? being a guy who obviously knew what was going on, obviously knew the implications of who this baby was. And he's holding him here in his hands and he prophesies this. And he says, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. I'm looking at him right here in my hands. This baby is your salvation. He is the hope for the world. And you've prepared that presence of all peoples. This isn't just for me. This isn't just for the Jews. This isn't just for our people. This is a light of revelation to the Gentiles, to all the nations. For the, for your, for, and for glory to your people, Israel. And so Simeon here in the Christmas story gets it. He knows who this baby is. And so when we think about three sons of Noah... They ended up making all the nations of the earth, but then it took only one son of God to come to save and rescue all of those nations, to save people from every tribe, every tongue and every nationality. Because that's the picture that's painted for us of who's going to be in heaven with us is every nation. And our job that we're left with after Jesus rose from the dead, what did he do? He gave us a job. He said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. So, as his people, those are our marching orders is that, hey, he came to save all the nations of the earth. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to take that message to all the nations of the earth. So, how are we doing? There's a, there's a great website that I'll refer you to. It's called the Joshua Project. Um, and what they do on there is they keep statistics of the people groups of the earth. And, and how many of these people groups have access to the gospel. Either like they, this people group is high percentage Christian or low percentage Christian. Or the, their, their lowest category is considered the unreached people of the world. And how they define that is they define that as people who there are not enough Christians or resources in their culture in order for them to have access to the gospel. So even if they want to come to Jesus, they have no way to because there's no one there to tell them the gospel, to tell them the truth. So I want to ask you, what percentage of the world do you think lives in an unreached people group? Okay, we got 10%, 8, 5, 20, 30, we're going up, all right, 7, okay, 70, okay, so you're on up there, all right, so this site has, it's tabulated the total world population as 7.9 billion people, that's a lot of people. Of those, 3.3 billion are considered unreached. 3.3 billion people on the face of the earth have little to zero access to the gospel. And so that, for those of you that are trying to do the percentages now, I'll do it for you. It's 42%. 42% of the world's population right now lives without access to what we as Christians consider to be the most important thing in the world, the truth of Jesus. And so the question is, what do we do with that? What do we do with that? Jesus has given us marching orders, He's like, hey, take the gospel to them. So how do we do that? How do we take the gospel to the people groups who don't have access to it? I'm seeing a great thing in the world today. And I think our church in this spot, in this location, is specifically, has a great opportunity to reach the nations. Because no longer does it take... See, at one point, when, when, when Christians heard this, what this meant was for one of them, and this is literally what missionaries did in the past, they packed all of their belongings in a coffin, they got on a ship, They sailed to the other side of the world to take the gospel. They packed it in a coffin because that's how they were coming back home. No longer do we have to do that, which praise the Lord, okay? But I think today all we have to do is get to know people in our community and share the gospel with them. Because what God is doing is he's bringing people from all these different people groups and mixing them all together. And so if you're just here in Kelowna, you can walk through town, you can go through the mall, and what kind of people groups do you see? All of them. What languages will you hear? A bunch of them, right? That's why I'm really excited about the opportunity our church has to partner with and come alongside a guy named Maguru. Um, he is a Japanese guy, and he has a heart and a passion for reaching Japanese people with the gospel. Um, I think evangel- evangelical statistics in Japan are less than 3%. Less than 3% of, of Japanese people are, are followers of Christ. And he has a passion for this. And he has the gift of evangelism. Like, we kind of talk about that gift, but and then you meet somebody that has it, and you're like, oh, okay. And, uh, and so he runs a sushi restaurant, and he's leading all of his employees to the Lord. And he's planning a church right here in town. And so our church has been given the opportunity to say, hey, we're going to come alongside you and support you how we can. And so we're going to take on trying to help their church until they could get charity status and that kind of stuff. We're going to try to take on helping them with those financial kind of things and stuff like that to kind of help them out the way that we can. And Maguru, he's going to reach a lot of people with the gospel that this redneck from the south will not reach. (laughs) And so I'm so glad for that. I'm so thankful for him, right? Um, but who else? Who are the other Magurus? Who are the others that we can, we can reach out to? We can partner alongside. And we can say, yes, we want to see the gospel come to your people, to your nation, to your tribe, to your tongue. And beyond that, I love uh, Yvonne's mention in, in the video of uh, back when we, we did a, a mission trip. Um, to, you know, she said to the Bahamas, which is true. We went to the Bahamas. And you're like, wow, that's really suffering for Jesus. Um, okay. We can show you footage. We were cleaning up after a hurricane in a dump in the Bahamas, okay? And so it was not glorious time relaxing on the beach. Um, Although that would have been nice. So maybe did a little bit of that just to see what it was like. But anyway. um, But I want to see us And the elders plan for this next year is we want to see mission trips going back out of our church again. Where we, even if it's just for a week, even a week, two weeks, we take our people and we go to another part of the world and we say, how can we help advance the kingdom of Jesus here? What can we do do to be a part of what Jesus is doing here to help help them become disciples of Jesus? To help fulfill the Great Commission. And so that's one thing that as the the elders we're wanting to see happen this next year. But I want to ask you personally, what is it? What is it that you can do? If you're a follower of Jesus, you know him to be your Lord and Savior, you believe this to be true. What is there that you can do to help make disciples of all nations? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Because there's no better way to use your life. There's no better way to use your time. There's no better way to use your resources. So I invite you come alongside me and letting people know that yeah, we all came from three sons but it's one son that matters. And knowing him is what really matters. And I think that is the best message we can have for Christmas. It's that there's a son and he's come. He's come to bring us the good news that we can be made right with God. Let's pray together. Jesus, we do thank you that you have come. We have you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you so much for your love. You are the one that matters. You are the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through you. And so, Lord, we pray that that you will use us to take the good news of who you are to all nations, to all people groups. Lord, I do pray for Maguru and the work that he's doing. I pray for those that he's leading to the Lord. Um, I pray for their, their extended... Networks of family and everything like that where uh, I just pray that through the work he does here in Kelowna that the gospel will go back to Japan and spread throughout that country through the people there just through what Maguru does here that'll be passed back to family members and friends who are back in Japan and they in turn can pass it on and I pray that your Holy Spirit will just start a movement uh, that moves your gospel out from this place. I pray that from a guru. I pray that for our church. I pray that you will just, will be just overcome by a tide of your, of your grace flowing out from this place where people are coming to faith in you and knowing you as their Lord and Savior. That they're giving their lives to you. They're turning themselves over to you and saying, yes, you are Lord. Lord, I want to see the day where we just, we can't get anything else done because we're just too busy baptizing people. Lord, I want that to be a fact or a reality in our church of just seeing so many people coming to faith in you that, that that's just where we are. Lord, equally would that help us to fulfill the rest of the great commission of learning to obey all that you've commanded us. Help us to follow you in faithfulness, God. Help us to grow in our faith and mature and, and go along in these things. Lord, equally with the topics we've talked about today, I, I want to pray for anyone here or listening online who struggles uh, with alcohol and struggles with it with how to use it appropriately and how to not let it control them. Lord, I pray that you will help them in that battle and help them in that fight and, and show them uh, how to how to healthily use this substance and not let it take control of them. Show them their boundaries. Show them their limits. Show them their way of escape if they're under the control of this thing. Bring freedom as only you can because you are our Savior. Jesus, I pray all of this in your holy name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Feel free to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and share with others. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit our website at www.potterschurch.ca or you can connect with us also on social media. Tune in next week for a brand new episode of our weekly sermon series. We hope that you have such an amazing rest of your day.